This week on the podcast, talking about pillar pages. What are they good for? Absolutely everything when it comes to search engine optimization. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. This week's guest is Rachel Clemens, the digital strategist, <laughs> digital strategist, that's a hard thing to say, it's really whaler <laughs> of Whole Whale, it rolled, digital strategist, I don't know why I struggled, Rachel, thanks for coming on and talking about SEO pillar pages. Ooh, thanks for having me, George. Yeah, well, uh, you kind of had to when your boss <laughs> says, hey, I need someone to explain a complex topic, you kind of have to go with the flow, so yeah. I appreciate it, but Rachel, before we get into that, tell us... A little bit more about what you so do. So really, my my main responsibilities here are that of account manager. So I manage a number of our our ongoing client relationships at Wholewell, and then my real area of expertise is SEO, which is why I'm here today, um, and content marketing. So I do a lot of the client work, and then uh, help lead some of the strategies for our internal Wholewell content marketing strategies as well, both on the website and um, for a longer time on our YouTube channel, Wholewell TV. I feel like I'm learning something right now. I should do this more often. Obviously, I knew all of those things. You're like, wow. It's an incredible amount to be working on, and you have really stepped up on the SEO side and understanding and writing for the humans so the robots can find it, and it's, um, you know, it's been helping. And I need you to do something for us today, and that is explain what an SEO pillar page is. So here, here's the floor. Go for Great. it. Great. Um, yeah, this is a really a topic I like talking about because I find this organization really interesting, the way things are changing. Um, so I'll start by saying a pillar page most simply. Um, it has a couple of names. I also hear it called a hub page um, or, or a cluster page on some SEO. It's really a landing page for a broader subject or topic cluster on your site. So if you think at, at the higher level, for instance, on Whole Whale, we have a landing page about digital fundraising at large. We obviously have a lot of more detailed content um, pieces of writing that go under that, but the, the big picture topic cluster is digital fundraising. Um, and, a, and a pillar page is really a, a landing page for one of those more important high-level topics on your website. Elegantly done. So this landing page, meaning the first page somebody lands on when they come to a site, is kind of like the encyclopedia, your best info on the topic. So for Whole Whale, you were saying something like maybe a digital fundraising would be all of our best content. Now, do I just shove all my stuff on that page? Like, do I take, are you saying all of the articles I've ever written about uh, a topic and shove it onto one page? Definitely not. Um, not in its entirety. <laughs> don't, do yeah, not don't do, do that. that. Um, but to a degree, that is actually, it's right in theory. Um, so these pillar pages are typically longer than, you know, what we think of as the regular blog or resource content, but they're less in depth. So in that sense, you do want to offer kind of a high level overview of the key elements or uh, subject areas within that broader topic. And in that sense, you know, a bit of an overview of your best related pieces. Um, and then you actually link out to the individual pieces that you mentioned that can address each aspect of that topic in more detail um, the same way that you that you always have. 
And what sort of results, you know, it's one thing to talk about tactics because frankly, there seem to be new tactics every week with regard to search engine optimization. Uh, what are the results that at least you've seen at Whole Whale as we've shifted into this strategy over the past couple of years? Yeah, it really helps you to, um, you know, effectively dominate a whole keyword or topic vertical in a more strategic way, which is, um, I think in theory, everyone's goal, but the, the approach for a very long time has been to match every single page on your site to one individual keyword, even though, um, especially for an organization like Coel, really any organization, all of your all of your topics and your resources are related somehow through the major themes that have to do with you know your subject areas, your mission. Um, so, in many cases, the old blog or resource structure. Um, and so far as, you know, everything under the sun was just housed under your blog, every single page addressed one keyword. Um, that actually is pretty disorganized. It's harder for people to find what they need. And those individual, individually targeted pages end up competing against each other in search when they're related on pretty related, or when they're written on pretty related topics. So um, by actually focusing your efforts on indexing your pillar page for that broader topic, you kind of bring all of the clustered content along with it and you can more effectively dominate that entire vertical. It's already the case that if you rank in you know, the top positions or in the number one position, uh, this is I, I think a HubSpot statistic, but um, you, know, you, you typically already rank for around a thousand other you know, related or you know, sub variations of that keyword. So this is just a better way for us to take advantage of that kind of model. Um, and dominate, you know, for our whole whale pillar page on digital fundraising, we've been able to leverage that page into the number one spot for digital fundraising, but it's also brought all of the clustered content, all of those linked pieces, that, that kind of best set of resources, as you mentioned, along with it, and helps everything rank better and helps a search crawler understand the relationship between that whole area of our site. So to reiterate on this one, it's not as though a pillar page is take a, you know, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble type of approach to the cauldron, right? Throw everything you have into this one page and make it, you know, 5,000 words and make it the encyclopedia on it. It's a proper summary and hub spoke in the sense that if you want to learn more, you sort of leave these little carrots along the way, staying with my stew analogy, right? And then have the supporting page of like, properly cooking carrots for the stew. And then it links back into how to create the perfect stew is like your main hub page on that. And then each ingredient as follows, you do a little summary, link out. And how would you give advice to someone who maybe has started down the path of creating all of these articles for all of these keywords because they're like, oh, I need to rank for this and this and this. How do I go about that process? Yeah, I, I do understand, at least when you're starting out, um, if you're kind of new to having that type of resource content on your site, um, you know, there's there's some merit to just seeing what sticks. Um, but I think once you get a sense of which keywords, you know, your, your content really um, is indexing highly for which topics are resonating with your audience, then you do want to focus more intentionally on understanding the relationship between, say, your, you know, those, those three best performing pieces of content um, is there is there a what is rather the linking subject and how can you create a more intentional landing page for that subject at large that um, you know both dominates that search vertical but also provides a more intentional user journey for people on your site. So like you were saying, you know they come to that main um, hub page and then you have the option to spoke out in any little direction 
um, where they're interested in learning more, but it, it really keeps things more centralized and um, really causes you as more of an authority too on that whole vertical and not just that one-off topic that you've written. What I like about this is that it seems even after maybe I launched my site and it's been a year and someone's thinking, oh no, I created all my content in a disorganized way. I have to relaunch the site. It seems like from what you're saying, I can actually come in with a little like Marie Kondo here, reorganize things and be like, hey, now I see what's working. And this could actually be part of your process. You may not know 100% of the pillar pages you are going to need when you wander off into the great wide internet. But you're saying I can go and maybe look at Google Analytics, understand my keywords over time, and then say, okay, time to clean house. What does that inventory process look like if you were to walk a client through it? Yeah, um, I you know won't lie and say that it's something that can be done in a day, but it is a really, a really- She short. promises one day, 24 <laughs> yeah. hours, Rachel Clemens, no, no, no. Hours um, pages. I like the Marie Kondo analogy. Um, I think, you know, actually taking taking complete stock of all of the resource pages or, you know, whatever blog content that you have on your site and bringing the analytics along with it, like you said, Google Analytics, whatever, whatever other platform you use. Um, and then really drilling down into, you know, which pages get the highest quantity versus quality traffic. Um, what can you keep then? What can you toss what needs to be merged to better serve this reorganization into a couple of key focus areas and a few pillar pages that then link out to the highest performing content. So I think there's um, a master inventory that happens first, a bit of a labeling for everything that is either going to stay or go, um, and then a kind of SEO editing process where you clean up anything that needs to stay um, but needs to be a bit reformatted, and then the kind of final product is the pillar page once you've cleaned up all of those Subpages and the cluster content, um, making sure that there's a clean new landing page to connect those things that people can kind of come to as as the the starting point on your site for those those topics. Does this 11 tips on carrot stew bring me joy? And you hold it for five seconds, and then let your heart decide. That's what I'm hearing here. On a serious note, we are talking about value to the user because somebody's maybe already finding this content. But when you organize it and structure it in this way, it's uh, I don't want it to make it seem like you're doing this for the robots. I hate it when advice is taken as like, oh, yeah, obviously then I jam it full of links because that's what Google likes. Like, no. Think about it from, as you mentioned before, the user perspective. They're coming to the site and they don't know which way is up, but they care about stew. Do you think the best answer is immediately going into the carrots or celery or herbs necessary? And so often we are too close to the problem. We are inside the box of our cause, and that's what we sort of assume that knowledge. Sometimes it is a wonderful exercise to take a layman's step back and say, you know what, this is 30,000 feet on stew. Here's the length of cooking, ingredients you'll need, uh, steps you have to take, the you know the prep and the purpose. Like It is actually... A really great exercise and I've seen this even just in my own backyard here when you're like oh wait a minute I've been answering all of these small questions about this topic but not framing the big picture and that brings value to the user which 
ultimately is the secret, in my experience, of SEO. If you bring value to that user saying, finally, somebody just explained this properly, and then, by the way, you do play some of the like linking to supporting articles and research associated with that on your site in a hub spoke manner, you're in a good place. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, I think it's um, you're providing providing value, answering maybe the core question first, assuming that a lot of people have a more general question or want to know more and um, then giving them kind of that choose your own adventure approach to dive, dive into each small content vertical. It's, of course, exciting if you capture the one person who is already looking for, you know, carrots in their stew and already knows that's what they want. Um, but not everyone feels that way. And I think the user journey on the site that comes out of this kind of pillar page approach is so much more valuable and streamlined. Um, and I, I think it is important too to highlight that it's not just, you know, a random change in Google that has really precipitated this. It's actually just the way that users themselves change their behavior on search um, has to do with, I think one, a big, a big part is, you know, the um, prevalence of voice search, the way that we talk to our phones, talk to Alexa, um, and ask for more long tail um, and kind of a different type of keyword than before. Um, and also just the volume of content online. There's so much of it now that people have to approach things with that long form type of query to actually get exactly what they want. Um, and that's where the users actually kind of directed this change. Google caught up to those changing behaviors by understanding or learning how to understand better the relationship between each of the long tail keywords and maybe the master subjects that it, it understood better before. So um, that's where the just you can benefit from the fact that we now can make these connections between related topics online. I want to come back to the person listening right now who's thinking to themselves, well, I've got that nav item. So in my navigation, I go to blog and I listed it all. How would you recommend that person after they go through the pillar page process rethink maybe that navigation structure? Yeah, I, I do think um, it is really valuable to actually have your pillar pages um, within your nav or at least within the dropdown of the blog nav if you, you still need to keep that um, contained because it does, you know, it does the same, the same thing in terms of a user journey um, rather than someone just going to blog and feeling like they have to search through the entirety of all of your content, they're immediately able to narrow down their focus into the one area that they're more interested in and, and selectively find that. So I think adding adding your pillar pages um, as separate links to your nav is usually a pretty valuable approach. Um, and also, I, I think, drives home the point that you're not, you know, you shouldn't be creating hundreds of pillar pages. These are really meant to focus on your core core topics and core subjects on your site, um, which would allow that handful of pages to be added pretty successfully to any nav. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, we really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university. I really want to make sure this point lands because you know what I'm going to do, Rachel? Like there'll be so many people being like, oh, I get it. That's what George was talking to me about because I'm going to send this podcast in so many emails. So I'm going to repeat this. This is the 80-20 of value here. 
you will get 80% of the rewards just by doing this 20% amount. And here's why. Restructuring that nav with a dropdown, by the way, don't call it a blog, call it resources, call it anything but freaking blog. <clears throat> here's what you're doing. You're going through the pillar page process. You're holding each piece of content that, you know, does this bring joy to me, but you're doing an inventory, creating that pillar page. And then once you've created how to create the perfect stew, that has to go into that dropdown for two reasons. One, certainly the usability for people finding it, but two, maybe most importantly, it signals to Google bots that this is a priority page because think about what happens with that nav. It generates links across every single page of your site in that dropdown and signals a prioritization and importance of that pillar page trickling down in a structured way. So that is where the like that's the secret sauce. Those two parts working in concert are what we have literally seen drive a huge increase in our own traffic and our own strategy. Anything to anything to add on on that stew and that and that thought, Rachel? No, I, I really I really think that um, that really drives it home, and it, it is meant actually. I think it, it simplifies the way you think about that massive content on your site. Um, so it, it actually does, like you said, give you a clear a clear recipe, we should say, um, for how to make that stew um, versus just dragging you into all of the nitty gritty and all of the ingredients all at once and forcing you to figure it out yourself. Um, I think the usability the usability element is, is huge and the fact that you're signaling to crawlers that you understand the relationship between this content and that users will understand it um, just means that you have that, that much more leverage and that better chance of, of kind of being the go-to answer in that space. I often talk about landing pages and front doors and the issue that people assume their homepage is mm. basically the number one landing page and rarely is that the case. And in fact, it more often is that one of these resource articles or you know blog articles you've created a while back ends up being that page. However, it's not the pillar page. What would your recommendation be in that scenario? Do I, you know, rebuild that particular page? Do I build a page around it? What is the strategy or does it change at all? If a particular, so if a specific blog page is your top landing page. Instead, yeah, my carrots, like how to prepare carrots stew, how to how prepare carrots just for the stew portion. You're like, well, but that that's not the big one. Like everyone's coming to this one small part. And you have a pillar page already, you're saying, for that topic. Sure. Maybe I have a pillar page or I'm about to create the pillar page, but I'm like, wait a minute, that one, shouldn't I make my, you know, the small ingredient of the overall, the big focus because that's getting the traffic. Mm. What do you do in that scenario? Yeah, I, I, um, I still think the value, the value of the pillar page still holds, um, you know, if, if you're thinking of creating, creating a page that addresses the larger topic of whatever that, that one kind of star page um, speaks to more specifically that as long as that page um, can link, you know, if it's linking back to the pillar page and it's connected in that same web of kind of topic content, it helps to lift everything in that section. So um, I still think, you know, the value in connecting it from a user's perspective, if you're assuming that that's, you know, that's the front door or it is the front door, um, making sure it's clear to people how they can read related content via the pillar page, um, that, you know, that's probably a huge funnel of traffic for, you know, people that, are already showing interest in this one specific piece and likely will be able to explore the entirety of that hub. Um, 
So I wouldn't say don't lose don't lose hope in the pillar page structure just because that one page is is doing so well. It's great that it's doing so well, um, and that's a clear signal that you know maybe that's the topic to focus in on and to make sure um, make sure is connected and well connected to the other types of content you'd like people to visit next. What I'm hearing is you know the rising tide lifts lifts all lists, yes. and so if you have this if you have this <laughs> well I had the benefit of getting to sit here in silence and also I only think in metaphors yeah. <laughs> it drives uh, it drives most of my thoughts with the rising tide though that's exactly it don't mess with success this page already works and for God's sakes don't delete it because you don't like you know the fact that people are finding that information on your site you have free traffic use that free traffic. You have free reputation in the value of the fact that Google thinks that this is the answer to a very niche question. Build around that, don't change that, is what I'm hearing you say. And this is maybe one of the other reasons that linking together a bunch of small, medium to low rank pages suddenly builds this collective web and asset so that the sum of the parts is greater than the whole in, in the structure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely do not delete pages that are doing well. <laughs> don't delete pages. In summary, <laughs> don't give away. I even hear you say that. <laughs> traffic. Okay, Rachel, we're about to move into the rapid fire round, which I know you are incredibly oh, excited good. about. Yeah. Before we do, uh, any final Rachel hacks or must-do tips that our audience can run back and implement or think about? I think, you know, one of the key elements, maybe an understated element of this pillar page structure, we didn't note it, but the linking is really valuable here. Um, and outside of just making sure that your kind of cluster content is linked to from your pillar page, um, wanting to link those pages to each other, back to the pillar page, um, as, as you just said, George, really, allows them to be seen as a whole and not just as these disparate pieces. Um, and I love actually, my favorite really small linking tip is just the benefit of using anchor text correctly and actually linking the keywords instead of the word here. Um, always shocked at how many people are, are surprised by that. It's such a common trend on the internet. Um, just to say click here and link that to whatever you want. Um, the whole point of the pillar page is to you know, make the connection clear and allow that the user and and a crawler and the bot, but user first to understand how different pages relate to each other. So don't underestimate the linking element of this and the kind of Wikipedia mindset that goes into it. The anchor text being in this, you know, go find how to cook the carrot soup properly, carrots properly for the soup here. Don't link here, link the how to cook carrots properly yes. for stew. Yeah. You really need that association. That's a great point. All right, Rachel, you have... Uh, you've passed the gauntlet so far, but now it's rapid fire. Please keep your responses to, I don't know, around 30 okay. seconds. Are you I'm ready? ready. So I'll ever be. <laughs> what is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last I year? I would say this is new um, to us. It's de okay, definitely not new. We use Moz for a lot of SEO work, but um, I... We haven't used as much until now the like content gap feature of Moz. That was a newer a newer thing. It's something we really dug into in terms of competitor SEO research this year, and that's been a really valuable way uh, for us to get a more, more holistic picture of the landscape. Um, and I think give a lot of our clients a lot of really useful value as well as ourselves. Um, 
and understanding the kind of the difference in relationship between our SEO profile and the way that other organizations work. So um, and I'd say the new feature, newer feature within Moz of that content gap capability has been a big one, really valuable for us on the SEO team. What tech issues are you currently battling um, with? Technical, SEO, just all sorts of it <laughs> I battle with all of the time. You know, a lot of the, um, there's there's always, you know, elements of, so many different elements you're trying to address with technical SEO. So we come across it with, with different clients, but just the way that um, I'm trying to keep on top of, of page speed and, um, you know, some of the, like the automations and the user user features of your site that make websites really awesome to use that uh, can be kind of counter-effective towards page indexing and um, SEO value. So technical SEO is, is an ongoing beast um, thanks to the way Google changes, but, but we love it still. What is coming in the next year that has you the most excited? Yeah, interested to see how the voice searching stuff gets even more prominent once we get pretty, pretty like hands-off in terms of typing. So. I'm sure search will only only continue to change in crazy and unpredictable ways. Talk about a mistake that you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things now. Big lesson in general for me is just leaning on my team to ask for help. Um, get very excited in a place like Colwell where everyone is just so darn smart and so invested in the mission. Um, you know, to kind of put in the equal, put in the same amount of of um, kind of like new ideas and leadership, um, which everyone is trying to do, but never, never stop asking for help when you need it. Um, that's, that's why you have a team. And that's something that I really value, especially in such a, a great team like this one. Do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business? Yes. Um, I do think that if they really do fully serve the population or really address the problem that they're trying to address, they should go out of business, um, at least in terms of that original mission. I understand that they, they can often shape into new things too, and I think that's valuable because there's usually the work is never never fully done, but I do believe that a lot of the amazing clients we work with can achieve their goals and, and kind of close the gap on some of the problems they're trying to uh, address. If you had a hot tub time machine to go back to the beginning of your work, what advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself, I would tell myself to just to, to learn how to like unplug a little bit better, I would say. Um, I'm a big big night owl general procrastinator, but I think making sure that uh, I know how to leave my computer at work sometimes, it's a good skill. What is something you think either you or your organization should stop doing and you can't say podcasts? I would never say podcasts. Something I should stop doing. Well, an ongoing thing that I, I, I want to continue to be more proactive in a space like SEO especially rather than you know reactive to changes so sometimes you just wake up and Google looks different and you know trying to figure out why but um, I want to continue to be be ahead of those changes and um, yeah really just be on top of industry SEO nonprofit trends in general if you had a Harry Potter style wand for the industry what would it do it would allow me to transfigure my search ranking into a different search ranking whenever I want it. Uh, how did you get started in the social impact sector? Via content. So I, I uh, came to Whole Whale originally as an intern. We have a lot of, of great stories on our team about um, people's transitions from 
fellow and intern roles into the like awesome full-time staff we have now. I was originally a content a content um, intern for Whole Whale um, that that particularly got me into nonprofit like the nonprofit tech space in my first role. But I would say that the nonprofit how did I get into like the nonprofit sector social impact sector at large um, started in the Girl Scouts. I was a Girl Scout for 12 years, so uh, way back in brownie days was when I think that that kind of commitment and that interest in just helping other people began. So paired with Paired with my school and then the really great opportunity of Whole Whale over time. What bridge did you do your crossing ceremony Ooh, on? We had a fun bridge in um, like a park in my neighborhood that the whole troop went to. <laughs> it was great. What advice would you give college grads looking to enter the social impact sector? Okay, I have two pieces. So first is just open-minded about the types of roles there are. I really think people get stuck in this headspace of these like certain defined jobs that, that they think are out there. And I think a lot of the jobs available in the social impact sector, um, you just wouldn't expect that they exist. You wouldn't you know, expect that they're out there. And I, I really recommend interviewing, informational interviewing. That's how I was connected with Whole Whale too. Um, I'm just trying to understand what an organization does and how your skills can help them. Um, and then my other recommendation is to not stop learning, even though you're out of school, you know, teach yourself things um, and try to develop some of the marketing skills like Google Analytics, Google Ads, um, even, you know, beginner SEO courses just to get a leg up in the industry. What advice did your parents give you that you either followed or did not follow? My parents were always very supportive of me just following my interests um, and, um, you know, especially in school, um, you know, there wasn't a focus on you know, taking the classes I needed to get the most high-powered, high-powered job or to get a certain type, you know, be in a certain type of industry as much as just try everything to understand what you really love doing and you'll end up in the right place. Um, and that, I think, has certainly led me to the social impact space and the nonprofit world. So, What question haven't I asked that you're surprised I haven't asked? Oh, you were going to ask me for, like, like, the secret, like, the one secret to SEO or, you know, those kinds of tips. I never have good answers to that, so I'm glad you did it. <laughs> While I'm tempted to follow up with that yeah. question, I think we've already answered it with this podcast, Rachel. The final piece here is how do people find you? How do people help you? You can email me, rachel at wholewell.com. I am always happy to, to talk to people with questions about nonprofit or digital marketing space. Um, I'm also around on the Whole Whale website. You can find my, find my bio there. Um, and my email as well. But please, yeah, please feel free to reach out. Any shout outs you want to give to any side hustle projects you're working on or nonprofits that you're, you know, uh, also working with? Um, I'm just going to give a, I'll give a shout out today. I love all the nonprofits I work with. Um, giving a shout out today to World Animal Protection, who's running a really cute Valentine's Day campaign right now about animal couples and uh, animals that mate for life. And it's just it's so happy. This is the work I live for. So shout out to them today. Also because we have a meeting later. <laughs> well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and putting up with uh, me putting you on the spot. This has been wildly helpful. Thanks so much for having me, George. It was fun to, fun to talk about Pillar Pages and I'm happy to answer any more questions from any listeners later on. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us.
and for the music, gregthomasmusic.org. Thank you, Greg Thomas, and your music.org. Sounds great.